Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday, April 30th. I'm glad that you uh, joined uh, with us here. Hope you had a, a good week. Um, during these times together, we just uh, focus in on the sermon. We invite you always to our church services on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30. Um, but online, we just, uh, I talk right to the camera. I talk to right to you at home and I and uh, pray about the things that God is laying on my heart to give. And so it's the same sermon that they hear on a Sunday, um, but without the rest of the service. And But we do invite you to come out when you can uh, to our church service here at Bethlehem. Um, I just finished last Sunday a series that lasted many months as we went through the Gospel of John together and went through all those 21 chapters. For the next five weeks, I want to talk about now something new. I want to talk about growing in Christ and what it means to grow and how we grow and what it is that God wants to do in you in this particular season in your life. And I thought about doing this series, you know, first of all, because obviously it's spring and I love watching all the new plants and things turning green and flowers starting to appear and buds on the trees. And I I thought about how God is doing all this and grows the world and how he also wants to grow us, right? And, And there are so many scriptures that compare growing in our faith like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season, or or the sower in the seed parable, or the kingdom of God like a mustard seed which grows to the largest of all plants, or the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, there's a lot of illustrations in the Bible that compare us growing in Christ and our relationship with God to how God grows the world. And I know in my life, I've I've never done, I've never done, you know, growing in my relationship with Jesus. I remember when I went to Israel for the first time, I came home and just had this hunger inside, this desire to grow deeper in my understanding of the Old Testament and how it all fits together, you know. Uh, A spark was lit in Israel, and I knew that was an area that God wanted to grow in me so that I would be stronger to be able to teach it and pass it along in ministry. Another example I remember of growing was when I just was newly married and started my new job, and I, I knew at that point that the Lord wanted to grow in me what it meant to be a pastor and as a husband, and, and how to love Carrie well, and then you know, as we had kids, how to be a dad, and how to trust God with things deeper and better, and over the years I've known I've needed to grow in patience, that one comes up a lot, or grace with people. Every year I feel the Lord has got some things He wants to do in my life. New growth. So I thought this would be a good time to think about that for a few weeks. Uh, Where is God wanting to grow us? Deeper and wider and taller in Him? You know, my mother, I just got to say this, she had a brother who was 6'2 or something, and my mom was only 5'1. But my uncle, 6'2, the only tall one in our family. But my mom would tell me, don't worry, your uncle was the shortest in his class all the way up until he graduated, and then he grew a foot. 
And so all through, of course, junior high and high school, this gave me hope, you know. I kept waiting for that growth spurt, hoping that my mom's five-foot-one gene somehow wasn't me, but instead I had my uncle's six-foot-two gene. But I kept, you know, checking myself on charts and kept hoping through college that that growth spurt would eventually come. But sadly, it never came. And I think I maybe gave up hope when I was 30 years old. You know, it's not coming at this point. I'm not going to be any taller than five foot four. You know, but I learned how in my physical body, I had very little control. I couldn't grow taller, even if I wished upon a star every day or even prayed about it. And boy, did I pray, Lord, make me taller. But I couldn't control that. I was going to be what I was going to be. But I learned that I could grow. I could grow stronger in my body if I worked out. I could grow in knowledge by reading and learning. I could grow in my faith and dependence on Christ and love for Him and service in the church and using my spiritual gifts. And so there are things that we're not in control of, but there are many things in our life where God wants to grow us. And we participate with God in that growth. There are things that we can do that help us grow. I saw this great interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is 75 years old, believe it or not now, a year older than my parents, but the man can still bench press an elephant. I mean, he's huge. He still goes to the gym for two to three hours a day. And I saw this great interview where he was asked, why do you still go to the gym? Why are you pushing yourself still so hard? And the guy was basically asking, you know, you're old. Why do you, what do you still got to prove? Why are you still continuing to lift weights? And Arnold in response said to him, he said, I go to the gym for the same reason I breathe and eat and sleep and work and pray. He said, it's my life. It's what I do and will do until the day I die. I enjoy it. I feel better after it. It's a lifestyle. And I loved his response and his attitude, for his words reminded me of my grandmother, who in her late 80s was still working out in her faith reading her Bible every morning, and not just simple verses. I'm talking reading chapters out of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, not easy books to read. I mean, that is like bench pressing 340, you know. My grandma was a strong woman in her word. She was marking up her Bible just as if she were in a class, truly studying it, digging deeper for the message within it so that she might know more and be able to teach the eight ladies or so in her class better. My grandfather, he also kept interesting and alive in his faith. He signed up to tutor high schoolers. He had never done that before, but did it. He pushed himself in a new area. He helped out at Habitat for Humanity, building homes, and Grandpa would go to these inner-city conferences on Christ and community and race and culture before that was a cool thing to do. My grandparents were a good example of continuing to give and live and learn in Christ, serving and living every day for Him. They went to the Bible like Arnold Schwarzenegger went to the gym, never getting complacent and thinking, I know it all, I've done my part. No, this was their life, and they kept growing in Christ. Well, I ask, what's the next step for you? What does God want to do in you next? Over the next number of weeks, I'll read for us some scriptures about growing, growing, 
And this morning, I wanted to start with two of them, two really good ones to begin us thinking about this, you know. And so the two scriptures, if you got your Bible, are Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and then also 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. So Colossians 2, 6 through 7, it says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, it says this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarding to their own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So I want to talk about both of these. Let me start here with the Corinthian passage. It says there that God grows all things. Only God can make it grow. In this scripture in Corinthians, Paul is addressing some divisions within the church. Some people in the church like Paul's teaching better, while others like this guy named Apollos. But what Paul is saying in our verses is that both of them are just men, just servants of God. Paul might have planted the seed. He may have been the first to tell him about Jesus, whereas Apollos was the guy that God used to water the seed, to grow them up, to teach them the word. But one is not more important than the other. The two have different roles, and both are just servants of God. The one who is really growing them throughout everything is God himself. Yeah. Paul says only God can make it grow. Paul is behind the planting, Apollos the watering, but the miracle is God's. He's the one who grows us. He's the one who has the vision for our life and the things that he wants to accomplish in us. And Paul says, we're just the fellow workers. You know, you are God's field, God's building that he is doing. This is take, talking about the kingdom of God. It's talking about what God is growing in their hearts and at home. And, it got, and Paul is saying, you're his design. Only God can make you truly grow. He is the architect. He is the gardener. And he uses different people. Each of us have different gifts that God may use at time to help somebody else grow. But we're just the people. It is God who's really making us grow. God uses one person maybe to lead you to Christ, another to teach you the word, another to encourage you in your gifts. God uses another person to start a ministry that you can serve in, another to get you through a tough time to endure. He uses another as a friend in your life, a faithful companion throughout it. He uses another to challenge you and to push you maybe. I mean, look back at your own life. Look at all the different people and ways that God has used to help you get to where you are, and there's more that he wants to continue to do. And I love that this verse says that you are the field and you are the building. The people, this is a consistent message throughout the Bible, that the people are the harvest of God, the great field that he is producing, the work that he is doing in their life. And the building, that refers to the kingdom of God among us. And so there's, what we see here is that Paul is saying is, 
It's both an internal growth and an external thing that, that God wants to grow. He wants to grow you more in the likeness of Jesus Christ and to have more patience with your wife and, 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 and uh, kindness towards your neighbor and all that. At the same time, he wants to grow the church and the people that are hearing about them to, extend, to more people to know him and more disciples out there. And so it's both an internal and external growth that God is interested in in your life. And I also think this is an important verse because there's a balance that is communicated here. It is God who makes all things grow. His vision, His spirit, His power at work in us. But that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility, right? His power is at work in us, but we still have to do something, right? So there's a balance there. This verse is saying that we still need the Paul and the Apollos. We still need each other in the body. We need to put ourselves in the word and under good teachers. We need to want to grow and want to see the kingdom grow around us, to be ready to be co-laborers with Christ, but still remembering that God is the only one who can truly make anything grow in our church or in our own hearts, the new attitudes of our own character, the new gifts that he is growing within us. It's him who does it. We still got to want it. We still got to put ourselves in those positions. Somebody still has to teach Sunday school. But in the end, it's God that's going to work through all of that to help us to grow. But we got to be willing to get up early and read our Bible or to go to those extra efforts to grow our relationship with Christ. So there's both here, God working and also us participating with him in that growth. But now the second verse that I read was the first one there, and it's Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And this is the one I want to spend the most time on. For this verse is terrific. It shows us what we are to do to best grow in Christ. Again, God's going to be the one who grows us. But these are the things that we need to do if we're serious about growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing it says is, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Now, Paul is writing this letter to a people that he's assuming are believers. But if you are not a believer and you're listening to this today, if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then this is the very first step to any kind of growth, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, to acknowledge your sins before God and to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you your sins in Jesus' name and to invite the Lord to come and live in your life every day that you might know him more and live for his purposes and by his spirit and have that eternal life to look forward to. This decision for Christ is important, and it's the first step. I'll tell you something. A lot of people kind of just go to church. They have religion in their life, but I don't know if they've all taken this step. They've maybe never surrendered their life to Christ as their Lord and personally invited him to come and live inside their life and guide them each day. You know, and you can do that with prayer. It's best for you to, I think, to do that even with another believer alongside of you, someone who's there to encourage you and hear you do that. But this is the first step to salvation. It's a life inviting God to come in and save them by the work of Jesus on that cross and his Holy Spirit to come and live with them every day. This is what Paul is saying, that first and most important step is to receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and then to continue to live in him. And this is everything. 
I mean, there's no new life apart from Jesus Christ. He is the seed that's got to be planted in our life, in our hearts, for anything good to grow in us. I mean, all godliness flows from Jesus, not my life, right? So that first accepting of that seed, accepting of Christ into our life, it's got to begin with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, or nothing is going to happen. He is the seed that is planted in our heart that makes things new. The changes that begin come from Him. The new spirit that grows new fruit in us. It all begins with receiving Jesus and walking with Him every day. You've got to surrender to your life, your life to the Lord of your life, and let go of your ways and let Christ have His way now in you. That's the first step to any type of growth that we would have. Colossians goes on in this chapter to say that in Christ, our old nature, our sinful nature has been buried with him in baptism, and God has now made us alive with Christ. He took our sins and nailed them to the cross, and he's risen us up to a new life. Salvation is a life that is now lived in Christ every day. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Nothing grows. But in Christ, oh man, he starts making you brand new. Religion, you see, by itself is empty if there's no relationship with Christ. It can't help you unless Jesus lives in you. It's just going through the motions and it profits us nothing. But when we accept Christ and receive Christ as our Lord, then everything about us has changed. We become a new creation with a new spirit. We're able to know God. We're able to walk with God through the trials, hear God through his word, talk with God in prayer, and experience God in our work. And a fruit of a different kind begins to grow in us because that seed, Jesus, is now living alive in us and will grow it. And so in the same way that I can hope and hope and hope for roses to appear in my garden, they won't appear there unless I plant the seed for roses and I water it. Well, I won't have peace and joy and grace with others or greater love for my spouse or my enemy if I don't have the seed, if I don't have Jesus living inside of my life. And if you haven't continued nurturing that life with Jesus, you won't either. Paul is reminding us it's not just about receiving, but just as we receive him, we got to now continue to live in him. Every day, we got to take time for that relationship with Christ if we want to see growth, you know? acknowledging that Jesus is there, investing in that relationship, turning to him in our decisions and prayer and in his word, learning more about him. You see, when we read the Bible, we're supposed to read it now with Jesus, not just for facts that we would get, but inviting the Lord to help us know within this word what it is that he wants us to know and how he wants us to change continuing to walk with him every day. Apart from him, there is no growth that will ever happen in our life. We have to remember that. You know, one of the clues that we maybe haven't been walking very close with Jesus lately is that instead of peace and joy and love in our relationship, we see an anxious heart. We see easily angered. We see, you know, uh, depression or disappointment at life instead of the fruits of the Spirit, you know. And so that should be a clue to us that, hey, man, I haven't been walking very close with Jesus lately. I need to get back on track. 
right? I need to spend some more time with my Savior. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the most important relationship of our life that we need to care for and nurture along is that one with Jesus Christ. Um, but the second step in growing in Christ is when Paul says in verse 7, we need to be rooted in Him and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught. So the main point here of this is gaining strength in our faith. You know, becoming stronger in what we believe in who we are in Christ and living for Him. And there are two main ways here that Paul says we do that. is one being rooted and the other is being built up. So the first, rooted. Rooted is an image taken from many different Old Testament scriptures like Psalm 1, which says, he who is planted by streams of living water will yield its fruit in season. It's, it's talking about being rooted right next to the source of living water, putting ourselves in places where we can grow, you know, and renew our mind and know who we are and know what we believe. And Paul is talking to young believers here in Colossae saying, root yourself, plant yourself in Christ. In verse 8, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and basic principles of the world, rather than on Christ. In other words, you got to know who you are and who God is and what you believe. You got to build some deep roots in that that define you. It is rooted in Christ. And so it's, it's really talking about getting rooted in God's word, so that when persecution comes and temptation or worldly ideas are thrown out there on social media or in your classroom or out in your workplace, and instead of getting swayed and turned, you got some deep roots. You know what the truth is. You've spent some time in the word. You've developed a clear sense of what you believe and where it's found and where it's written. And, and so you're not easily swayed or pushed over by the latest teaching. You know, our doctrines, identity and understanding of the world and our hope and our faith, you know, they're based here. We are rooted deep into the Word of God. We're learning the character and the nature of Christ and who we are in Him. And so by reading it, by believing it, by, by understanding it, we are building some good roots. I would say that it's been argued that, that the fault of the American church is that many people say they're Christians, but their roots don't go very deep. They're kind of surface Christians. They don't know much about the Bible. They don't know the commands of God or His promises. They don't really know what they believe and why they believe it. And they don't know the books of the Bible or the stories of our faith that have shaped us as a people for 2,000 years. And so because we don't value this, because we don't read this or know it or teach it to our children, then we just become these surface Christians that have no real roots. And so when something happens in our life or a new teaching or a new way, everybody's doing or whatever, we just kind of follow along. We just kind of fall over instead of standing strong in who we are as Christians. We need to grow roots. You know, my son and daughter have impressed me and Carrie um, by their commitment to the gym. I mean, my son is a rock. I have watched him get biceps. And he does not get them from me. I have never had biceps. But he has them because he works hard. He lifts heavy weights. 
He gets up early, stays up late. You have to if you want them. Now, I can have a gym membership. I can have a bench with weights on it in my basement with a treadmill only a dozen stairs away for me to get on. But, man, I get tired. The TV is calling. There's another distraction. You got to want it. You got to want biceps. <laughs> you got to want roots that go deep and strong and can weather any storm. You got to decide for you and your family, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to get to know the God within it. And there are so many good resources at Mardell Bookstore if you need help there in Lincoln. You can go and pick up and study the Bible and, and get a commentary on a particular book of the Bible, whatever you want to read. They're all in there. You can open the Bible to Colossians and, and say, you know, what? I'm going to study this book, these four chapters over the next four weeks. I'm going to really dig into that and let God speak to me. I mean, people, get this. I mean, people have been reading the Bible for hundreds of years, and all they had was the King James Version and a sixth grade education, yet somehow they were strong in who they were and what they believed because God's Spirit made them strong as they studied His word. We can do it. We just got to want it. We got to want it. Want to have those biceps, spiritually speaking. And you, so you can decide to read the Bible. And you can decide to read it with other people even. You can invite two of your friends and say, you know, let's read through some of the New Testament together every Wednesday for lunch. Or let's have coffee before work every Friday. And you pick a chapter, you read it, you discuss it together. I mean, this is how we get rooted. This is how we plant ourselves in the Word and become a person of the Word, growing a biblical worldview. That's important. But the second part of that verse that Paul mentions about how we gain strength in the faith is that rooted and built up. Built up is taken from another biblical scripture that tells us that we believers are all one body in Christ and like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house where God is dwelling. So we grow, we grow roots through God's word, but we're built up through the body of believers. That's what he's saying, God's church. And there are so many scriptures that tell us how the church is a people belonging to God and belonging to each other. And how we can't say to one another, I don't need you, because we each have different gifts that God has given so that all together, working together, we would reach maturity. It says in Ephesians 4.12, we each have different gifts, so to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. No longer infants, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And so this is a really important thing to realize about Christian growth, is that you can only go so far by yourself. You need the body of Christ. You need other believers in your life if you're going to reach maturity in the fullness of Jesus Christ. For the person who says, I don't need the church, they don't know what God said. He said, you need the church. He said, the Lord has given you things that other people are going to need and given other people things that you're going to need to become mature. I'll tell you this, I have grown a lot in my life in prayer and personal Bible study, but I have grown the most through other people. I have had so many 
over the years, good teachers and pastors and parents and grandparents and friends and youth group or small group or ministries that we have done together in college and seminary and all these kind of times where God has just brought the right people around me in my life to help pour into my life and me pour into their life and we're growing and refining each other together. Men's groups and, and my goodness, we believers, we keep one another accountable. We encourage one another in the way we speak truth into each other's lives that we need. Every time I go to Wilma's for coffee, I come home stronger in my faith. Every men's group that I close my eyes at the end of it with for prayer, and I'm just thanking God for these guys and how much they mean to me. I have a, a retired pastor that I go to lunch with once a month. God has brought him into my life for a reason, that I might grow from him. You know, So I could give you many examples, but the simple truth is that God grows us through the people in the body. And so what we see here in Colossians 2, 6, and 7 is that first it is just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. That relationship with Christ, number one, central, nothing grows apart from that. Second, rooted and built up will gain strength in the faith. And that's rooted in the Word of God and built up through a body of believers. But then the third and last thing that I want to say today about how we grow in this first sermon, and we'll have many more sermons in the weeks to come, but the third and last thing that it says here in Colossians 2, 6, and 7, it says, and overflowing with thankfulness. And this is an important one, especially in this day and age where we're all so negative and harping on one another and looking down and whatever, is that gratitude is the fertile ground that we can grow in Christ. Gratitude is an attitude of a growing believer in Jesus. It's the fertile ground for love and faith and, and that focus forward to what God wants to do in us and seeing every day as a gift and His grace in our life enough and showing the same to the people around us. It, that causes us to grow. Thankfulness. It's part of what God is doing that allows for us to grow. Anxiety and depression today, man, they are ripping our world apart and our kids apart. Fear and hate are often the fruit of greed and lust and selfishness and not getting what we want. But the Lord calls us to something greater, to lift up our heads, to see His hand at work in our life, even in this, to see the temporary trials not worth comparing to the glory that will one day be revealed. He calls us to thankfulness, to receive Him, to live in Him, be rooted and built up in Him, and overflowing with thankfulness. Because of him who died and rose again for me. Because of God who loves me and gives me everything I need for life and godliness. To my Father who is present and always watching over for me. The Lord promises good to me and I see it. The goodness of God, despite the trials at times, the sufferings, disappointments that we all can get. He's the one who leads us through the valleys. He protects us along the way. He is the good, good Father who began a good work in you and will carry it out into completion. You can trust Him. So the fertile ground for God to grow us and work in our lives is a spirit of thankfulness. It is gratitude. Think about it. I think about it like this. Every day we can think about whatever we want to think about. But Paul says in Philippians 4, why don't you think about what's good and right and pure and lovely? We could talk about whatever topics that we want to talk about. We're free to do so. But the Bible says, don't let curses come out of the same mouth as praises. And only speak that which is going to be helpful to build others up and not tear one another down. So sure, you can have grievances. You can have disappointments in life. But 
Think about Jesus. Think about how much you have in him. Think about what God is doing right now. You got many more reasons to be thankful than you have to complain. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I just, again, I just want to speak really personally for a minute here that this can really be a temptation for me, you know? Alone with my thoughts, you know, I can go to places of insecurity and anger, and this is really an, an area that I believe God is wanting to grow in my life. It is grace. And in his gratitude, you know, being able to rise above and see the goodness of God in every moment, in this very breath, in this life, and not let the darkness stuff it out, not let fear and, and worry and, and distrust and all these other things kind of get to, not all the things that they did and they said, or this kind of hatred in the world and the kind of disappointments with what's happened in the world. We got to pray about those things for sure. But we also got to be living in a spirit of thankfulness every day. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, to be thankful for what is, not just wish for something different. To be more content about where we're at. For this is the right spirit. And too often I have a negative one. But I am learning the spirit of overflowing thankfulness is a much more good place to live, you know, and to grow. He has given me so much, and when I am thankful, my heart is, is more humble and broken and ready for the thing that God wants to do. And so this is important for growing in Christ. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Continue on with us in the next number of weeks as we continue to talk about growing and what it means for us in our faith. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.